What a blessing. I know that we, with that emphasis is at Easter time, but boy, I'll tell you, we serve a risen Savior, and Jesus, yes, died on the cross, but he is alive today, and so I appreciate that song, Brother Kenny, stirring our hearts this morning, and I'll let you remain seated for just a moment, but if you would, uh, maybe you receive one of the outlines on your way in with the bulletin, or if you would, turn to John chapter 1, and I'll let you remain seated at, for right now, but I, I read a story and uh, I thought this was quite interesting, thinking about Christmas time, a New Jersey man uh, slept soundly for about 10 hours until he woke with a particular pain in his back. The pain in his back was because he had a knife stuck in his back. He slept for 10 hours with this knife in his back. The 42-year-old Trenton man didn't know what was wrong with him until his brother identified the problem. His brother said he had a knife blade protruding from his back, said Lieutenant Mark Kiefer, a Trenton police spokesman. The victim, who was not identified, had been stabbed during a fight on his porch, Kiefer said. The fight started about 2 a.m. Sunday morning when the victim, who had been drinking, stepped out for a cigarette. While he was smoking, another man approached and asked for a light. And when the victim refused, an argument broke out and escalated into a fight, Kiefer said. Pretty amazing that someone can be that drunk and not know for 10 hours that they've got a knife stuck in their back. Because he was so intoxicated. When you think about the world today, how intoxicated people are about Christmas. People are intoxicated with uh, Santa Claus. They're intoxicated with reindeer and with Christmas trees and with shopping and with family and all the activity. The world, honestly, people in this world, they don't even realize that Jesus came. They don't understand what Christmas is. A lot of people will ask, and if you were to ask them, what is Christmas? You'd get all kinds of answers. I love to ask little children a lot of times because you get very honest, sincere answers from children. But adults have all kinds of ideas about what Christmas is really all about. And if you have your Bibles this morning or the outline, would you stand with me for one verse today? And we'll be in John chapter number 1, but I want you to look with me because in John chapter 1, I really believe in this one verse that we read this morning, it really helps us understand what Christmas is really all about. In John chapter 1, we understand that Christmas is about Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Look at verse 14, and let's read it together. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Say that last statement again. Full. Jesus was full of grace and truth. The perfect balance of Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for our time together in your house. Lord, we came to open your word, 
to hear from you, to worship you. God, just as many years ago they came and they worshipped you, God, may we always have a spirit of worship and help us today to see that Christmas is all about Emmanuel, God with us. You were full of grace and truth, a perfect balance. And that's what we need in our lives. Help us to learn from you today on this Christmas Sunday morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. This morning, that's what we will endeavor to do, to understand the perfect balance on Christmas. In verse number 14, God gives us three amazing aspects of the event that we call Christmas. How many of you that Christmas is your favorite holiday of the year? A lot of people love Christmas. And I want you to think about this morning, the first thing that we see, the first aspect here in in John chapter number one is the miraculous manifestation. Now, when you think about something that is manifested, it's something that is discovered to the eyes or it's discovered to our understanding. And again, I mentioned earlier, a lot of people just don't understand what Christmas is. It's really all about. The Bible says here in John chapter number 1, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Does your Bible have a capital W on the word Word? Because that's describing who? Jesus, right? Jesus was God in the flesh. And the Bible says the Word was made flesh. What a miraculous thing that happened. What was so miraculous about this birth, the wonder of this birth was, first of all, because of the pre-existence of Christ. Look in verse number one in in John's gospel here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. See, Jesus was God from the beginning. The Bible tells us over in the Old Testament, Micah 5, 2, But thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel. Now look at these words. Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. How many of you are saved today? So when God saved you, what kind of life did he give you? Everlasting life, eternal life, right? How long is everlasting? Forever. So according to Micah, Jesus, who is God, did not begin in Bethlehem's manger. The Bible says his goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. This one that was born in Bethlehem was preexistent. We, we see that as Jesus, uh, you think about how he was born, he was preexistent from the time of the foundation of the world that he was God. Jesus said in John 17, look at verse number 5, he said, Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He had that before Anything was ever existed in this world. He had that glory. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 8, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, 
which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. This baby that we celebrate on Christmas, whose birth, that, that is one that still is amazing to us, this baby is God. And we see here the miraculous manifestation of the pre-existence of Christ, but also we see that he is the presider over creation. Go back to John chapter 1 and verse number 3, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. I love to go back, and a lot of you are probably like me. Uh, January 1, you're, you're like, okay, I got a new Bible reading schedule. I'm going to start reading my Bible this year. And where do you always go? The book of Genesis, because it's the first book in your Bible. And a lot of times we read through Genesis, and somewhere we lose our way after we get through the book of Genesis. But I'll tell you this, that every time I read the creation account, here's something that sticks out in my mind and in my heart, how after everything God created, he just said over and over again, and it was good. And it was good. And it was good. God doesn't make junk, folks. Everything God made was good. And the Bible says here that he was the presider over creation, that he was the one that was set over creation with authority. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Colossians 1.16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him, and all things were created for him. See, he is the preexistent one, but he presided over creation. Why would God come down to us? Why would the creator come down to this earth? Well, notice then we see the purpose of his coming. In verse number four of John's gospel, the Bible says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Why did Jesus come? What was the purpose of his first coming to this earth? Well, Jesus came that we might have life. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, Paul writes, look at this verse. He says, she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. See, we're born in sin. You see, we don't have to do anything to go to hell. We just have to be born in this world. And, and Paul's helping Timothy, and of course, God records it in his word, that if we live in pleasure, that we are dead while we liveth. Jesus said in John 10, 10, look at this, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. That's what the devil would love to do with your life is to see you spend eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice Jesus said, listen, that may be the purpose of the devil. He says, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. John 6, 35 Jesus said those famous words, I am the bread of life. I mean, if you're like me or anyone else, my wife and I, we enjoy eating bread, but we enjoy even more than bread, we enjoy the butter that you put on the bread. And I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of butters out there, but there's nothing like real butter. And the more, the better. But you know, there's something we need more than butter. We need 
bread, the bread. Jesus said, I came. That's the whole reason that Christmas is Christmas is because Jesus came, that's the purpose of his coming, is so that we might have life. But see, we who are dead in our trespasses and sins, we continue to live our lives. If we have never come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, we continue to live as dead people. Not realizing that we need the light of life that Jesus can provide. And he says there in John 6, 35, He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. The Bible says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that hath the Son hath life. Do you have the Son this morning? The preexistent one? The one that presided over creation? The one that the whole purpose of his coming was to give his life so that you and I could have eternal life. See, I see the miraculous manifestation. That's one aspect of Christmas. But notice in John's gospel, the second aspect is the Messiah's mission. Now, we already talked about the fact that he came that we might have life. But let's go back to John's record here. Look at verse number 4 where we see here uh, the mission of our Messiah. In verse number 4, the Bible again says, And in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in what? In darkness. And the darkness comprehended it, the light, not. You ever try to talk to somebody about the Lord and they just can't see it? They just won't see it. They will not believe. For those of you that may be visiting today or watching today, I mean, I was 17 years old when I started attending a church like this that was a Bible-believing church. And that beautiful blonde sitting right over there is the one who invited me to church. Anytime somebody that pretty asked me to do something, I'm going to do it. And, 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 and I didn't go to church because I wanted to worship God. I, I went to church because I wanted to sit with her. And so for three years, I sat in a church just like you are this morning. The preacher would get up and open up the Bible, preach the Word of God. Now, we didn't have what I'm about to tell you. We didn't have this conversation during those three years But after I finally accepted Christ at the age of 20, she said to me, there were so many times where the preacher was preaching and he was giving the gospel and it was so clear. And she said, I just kept thinking, he's going to get it. And then she said these words, and you didn't. That hurt, but it was the truth. Now, she, we had that conversation after I came to know Christ as my Savior. But, you know, there are many today, because we live in a dark world, do we not? I, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but the world's not getting better. But I'll tell you, if there was ever 
a time to be a Christian, it's now. The darker the night, the brighter the light. And the Bible says even when Jesus came, Christmas, he came to a dark world. And those that were walking in darkness, living in sin, they comprehended it not. They did not understand. So why did Jesus come? Because John says in verse number 4 that he was the, the life was the light of men. The light shineth in darkness. So when I think about his mission, he was, came to be a dispeller of darkness. To dispel means to cause to vanish. I, I, look, I love the daylight. I love the sun. Now, the sun doesn't like my skin, but I like the sun. Some of you that live here in South Florida that are fair-skinned understand what I'm saying there. But I'll be honest with you, I like the daytime. I don't like daylight savings time. I'd be okay if the sun was just up 24-7, 365. Do you know that some people come to life when it gets dark? I'm just the opposite. I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. I mean, but my wife, she's like, stay away from me. But boy, at nighttime, I'm, 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 I'm toast. You know, my day's done. I mean, I've already got up this morning and spent time with the Lord, walked three miles, read my Bible, and emailed some missionaries. You say, Pastor, you did all that? Well, I did more than that, but I'm just trying to help you understand. I love the morning. I love the light. The more, the better. But people that are still living in sin love the darkness rather than the light. Jesus came to dispel the darkness. See, in our sinful condition... That we cannot see our need. We need God's light more than we even realize it. Look at Jeremiah said, and I know you know these verses. He says in, in chapter 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You can't even know your own heart, much less someone else's. See, we are sinners by nature. 1 John 5, 19, we know that we are of God, and the whole world, look at this, the whole world lieth in wickedness, in darkness, in sin. Jesus came to be the light of the world. That's what Christmas is about. His mission was to scatter the darkness, to dispel the darkness. Now, I remember years ago as we were traveling around, and God gave me an opportunity to travel much of this country and even a little out of this country, but... Uh, I always enjoyed things that were different that I never had an opportunity to, to do before. And I was up in Northern California and I was with this church and, and had a group of young people with me. And they said, hey, we're going to have a, a teen activity. And, and we wanted to know if your group, if you guys wanted to go. And I said, yeah, it sounds like fun. We'd love to. And so we made plans. We got in the vehicles. We drove for a while and we pulled over. And it, it didn't really look like a park. It was just kind of out there, and it was, it was northern California. It was a little bit different than other places in California. And, and we got out, and we started walking, and finally I said, I said to the, 
the youth pastor of the church, I said, so where are we heading? And he says, oh, there's, there's an activity we do here a couple times a year, and the kids love it. He says, I think you guys will enjoy it. And I said, okay, so, uh, that sounds great, whatever it is. And I mean, we had no idea what we were going to do. And we get to the spot, and he says, okay, he says, this is it. And I'm standing, I don't see anything. And, and I'm thinking, what are we going to do? And he says, okay, he says, follow me. And we start to go, I didn't realize there was this hole in the ground. And, and he started to walk down in it. It was that big of a hole. And all the teenagers from his church were following him, and then people in the group were following. And I thought, okay, I'll follow him. I guess I'll follow him. We started down in this, and it, it was dark in there. It kept getting darker and dark. We kept walking and walking and walking. It just kept getting darker. And I thought, what? Finally, I said, hey, look, what is this? And he says, well, I don't know if you've ever seen one of these before. This is, this is a lava tube. Anybody ever seen one, been in one? It's a lava tube. It was, it, lava had flowed in that part of northern California years ago, and, and, and as it began to flow over the ground, there was a, a cavity. It created a pocket, and then somehow it, it, somebody found the opening, or it, it opened up, and then this bunch of, leave it to teenagers to find stuff like this. And so here's what these teenagers would do. They would go into this, and they would go as far in, they'd go as far into this lava tube as possible. Now, we were, we were probably over 150 feet. That's how big this thing was. I, I'm not kidding you. It might have been more than that. We were all the way in as far as you could go. And as we were going, got out of the vehicle and was heading towards this lava tube, and I had no idea what we were doing, all these kids are, are carrying something in their, in their hands, and I thought, what are, what are they doing? One kid had a football helmet. One kid had this thing that kind of looked like uh, what the Vikings used to wear. Uh, they had all kinds of crazy things that they were carrying. Some kid had something that he had used uh, a, a duct tape, and he had, he had wrapped duct tape around something else. And so I saw them as they were going down in it, they were putting these on their heads. We got all the way to the back, and I said to the youth pastor, I said, okay, it's a lava tube. What's the activity? By the way, while I'm talking to him, I can't even see him. He's like two feet from me. I cannot, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. And he says, here's, here's the activity. Now, small town, northern California. He says, when I say go, the first teenager that makes it out of the lava tube wins. And I said, so what's up with the, the helmets and all this? And he says, well, you know, they get a little rambunctious on their way out and they tend to run into things. <laughs> and no sooner he said that, he said, all right, ready, set, go! And I just stood there. I thought, I am not <laughs> moving and those kids ran through that, and I, as I was walking out, by the way, I felt very uncomfortable in that complete black darkness. But the one thing I got so excited about was as I was walking out, the closer I got to the exit, I could see this little bitty, little bitty thing of light. And the closer I got, it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and I was so thankful to get out of there. Jesus came to dispel the darkness. 
He came that we might have life. Some people don't realize, there may be some this morning here and some listening this morning, some that you might know at work or maybe some family members, they don't know that they need Jesus. Just like I did many years ago. We live in a dark world and Jesus came to give us light. John 8, 12, Jesus spake unto them and said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. A lot of people are struggling today and you may be one of them today, not knowing which way to go, not knowing which direction. Hey, listen, if it wasn't for that youth pastor, I would have never found my way out of that place. If it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd still be wandering around, groping in the darkness, trying to find my way through life. Aren't you glad that Jesus came so that we could have life and that we could have light? He came to dispel the darkness. There is light for us that want the help. There is light for the world, and His name is Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, this light, Jesus, came so that he might dispel the darkness. And then notice that this light brings a definite division. Look what John says in verse number 5 again. He says here, the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Look down in verse number 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Sounds to me like the light brings division. John said in John chapter number 3, this is the condemnation that Light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And we look at Christmas, and we look at this time of year, there are still many today that do not like Jesus. There are many that are trying to take Christ out of Christmas. They'd love to turn Christmas into some secular holiday, some party time. But see, the light brings a definite division. But I'm glad that there's a declared deliverance. Look at verse number 12. And the first part of verse number 12 says, but. See, even though that he came unto his own and the world knew him not, the world received him not, as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Not everyone's going to receive the gift of God. Not everyone wants Jesus. It was evident when he came to this world, some mocked him, some rejected him, some uh, cursed his name. The Bible says in verse number 12, look at it again, but as many as received him to them gave he power. Verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, salvation is of the Lord. We cannot save ourselves. The one that came to dispel the darkness, the one that, as the light brings definite division, he gives us 
a deliverance. The Bible tells us God has a declared deliverance for those who would receive him. Hey, look, God's already given the gift. The question this morning is, have you or will you receive it? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John, 1 John 4, verse 9, in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him here in His love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, that's the mission of the Messiah. That's the whole reason for the season, as people say, is that, that Jesus came to deliver us. That's what Savior means, to set us free. The Bible does say in 2 Peter, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want one person to spend eternity without Him, but that all should come to repentance. That's the Messiah's mission. That's why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to live a life of luxury. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost and to give his life a ransom so that all who would believe in him might have eternal life. See, I see a miraculous manifestation that took place. I see the Messiah's mission. But I see one last aspect of Christmas that John tries to help us understand, and we read it in verse number 14. And I'll put it this way, and maybe you'll understand it, because I consider it to be a marvelous marriage. You see, we're talking this morning about the perfect balance of Christmas. You know what Jesus that came to this world? The Bible says that the Word was made flesh, and He dwelt among us. That's a wonderful word there, dwelt. It's the same word in the Old Testament as the word tabernacle. God tabernacled with us. Do you know God could have chosen any way to save this world? But He loved this world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. As I think about what happened here, I see that at the end of verse number 14, the Bible says that Jesus, the preexistent one, was full of grace and truth. Let's think about this marvelous marriage because I see it was a unique combination, grace and truth. By the way, look here, always pay attention to God's order in His Word. It doesn't say truth and grace. It says grace and truth. He was full of it, full of grace and truth. And truth says in the Bible that God is holy and God is righteous and God is just and God is sinless. In Sunday school this morning, we looked at some verses in the book of Revelation. Here's one of them. The Bible says that there shall, be, there shall in no wise enter into it, talking about heaven, look at this, anything that defileth. Aren't you glad that heaven's going to be a place without sin? We think about how that when you, when you look at truth, truth says that sin cannot enter heaven. 
You know what that means? If sin cannot enter heaven, that leaves all of us, all of mankind out of heaven, according to the Word of God, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Is that the truth? That's the truth. Some people don't like that, but that's what the Bible says, and the Bible says in Revelation 21 and verse number 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters say, well, that none of those describe me. How about that next one? And all liars. You ever told a fib? You ever twisted the truth? You know, we call it little white lies, whatever you want to call it. But the Bible says, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's the truth. See, as you think about the truth, sin and sinners cannot come into the presence of God. That's the truth. But Jesus was not just full of truth. He was full of grace and truth. See, when you think about this wonderful, marvelous marriage and this unique combination, Jesus being full of grace and truth, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Galatians 4, look at verse 4, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman. This is, this is, these verses apply to Christmas. The Bible says, made under the law to redeem. Why did he come? To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Folks, that's grace. That's the grace of God. And I praise the Lord for the truth that we have. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus was full of grace and truth. See, if we soften the gospel by minimizing truth, what are we doing? We're keeping people from Jesus. If we toughen the gospel by minimizing grace. What are we doing? We're keeping people from Jesus. It's not enough to offer grace or truth. We must offer both. Jesus was the perfect balance of Christmas because he was full of grace and truth. See, when we offend everybody, we've declared truth without grace. When we offend nobody, we've watered down truth in the name of grace. Look, can I tell you this morning, don't choose between the two. Be full of grace and be full of truth. Why? Because Jesus was. He was the perfect balance. I see the marvelous marriage of grace and truth. But listen, here's the challenge for us on this Christmas Sunday morning. Look at the, the undeniable challenge that we have. Because as we've looked at what John says, Jesus is described as full of grace and truth. And if Jesus is full of grace and truth, and we are Christians, and here's what Jesus said in John 15, abide in me and I in you. Think about that for just a minute, because that's pretty deep. Abide in me, and I in you. 
The Bible goes on to say in 1 John 2, 6, He that saith he abideth in him, you say you're a Christian. Look what the Bible says. Ought himself also so to walk as he walked. Well, how did Jesus walk? He was full of grace and truth. How should we walk? How should we live our lives? Full of grace and truth. So we need to understand that we need to have a balanced life ourselves, and that balance should be grace and truth. And that means that you and I, we cannot, because of Jesus being full of grace and truth, we too cannot compromise on the truth. We cannot water down the truth. Hey, there are a lot of people today that say, listen, I just don't know if people can take this and people can listen to this. Folks, we need the truth. Why? Because Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth is what's going to make you free. But if we water it down, people will never know the Lord. See, Jesus was full of grace and truth, and the Bible teaches that there's one God, there's one Savior, there's one gospel. And as we preach, and hopefully as we live the truth, and as we live the gospel, listen, don't miss it, we must be full of grace. I've known many people over the years, and they get an arrogancy about them because they have the truth. And they wonder why people won't listen to them. They wonder why family members will not get saved. Here it is. I've had to learn this. Because there's no grace. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was the perfect balance of Christmas. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed? It's quite a challenge that we see here in John's gospel. John begins talking about the marvelous manifestation. God came down to us. He shares with us the Messiah's mission. And then we see here that he shows us a marvelous marriage, how Jesus was full of grace and truth. How's your life today? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you had a time in your life that you put your faith and your trust in Christ and Christ alone? How many of you, by an upraised hand, as a testimony, would say, Pastor, I've been saved. I know the Lord is my Savior. Would you raise your hand this morning as a testimony? What a wonderful sight. Hands everywhere. Some of you may not have been able to raise your hand. Maybe some listening this morning. God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't give some worldly thing, some material possession. He gave his only begotten son. Would you like to receive God's gift this morning? Put your faith and trust in Christ. Don't be like I was many years ago. For three years... I sat and heard what you just heard this morning. And what I was saying by, by not receiving the Lord Jesus, what I was really saying was, I don't need you, Lord. I don't need God in my life. I'm doing just fine. The truth was, I wasn't doing fine. Truth, life, truth was, I was miserable. 
but my whole life changed when I accepted Christ as my Savior. Would you stand with me this morning, everyone standing with their heads bowed and their eyes closed? It's Christmas. Christmas Sunday morning in the house of God. God has shared His Word with you this morning. I wonder if you would just take a moment, maybe come and spend a little time with the Lord today. Some of you that are saved might want to just come and thank the Lord for saving you. Maybe saving your family. All of my children are saved, and I'm glad for that. I'm eternally grateful. But there are many out there this morning that are listening that do not know for sure. If you're not saved, why don't you step out right now and we'll have somebody take the Bible show you how you can know for sure that heaven would be your home. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If God's speaking to you today, I know that feeling. I still remember it 35 years ago. I had this burning in my heart. I knew. Nobody nobody had to tell me. I knew that I wasn't saved. And I wanted to, in the flesh, just stand there and not make a decision to trust Christ. No one's looking around this morning. This decision is between you and the Lord. But if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, and you'd like to do that today, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, to confess Him with your mouth and believe in your heart, that God hath raised Him from the dead. And so where you are this morning in your seat, would you like to pray? Just you to the Lord. And if you'd like to accept Christ, here's how you do it. There's no magical prayer, but you could pray something like this. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and be my Savior. Would you pray that? Lord, I'm asking you today to forgive me of the sin in my life. Come into my heart and be my Savior. In Jesus' name. Our heads are still bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. No one's looking around, but I wonder this morning, did you pray that prayer? Did you ask the Lord to be your Savior? Would you slip your hand up as a testimony, Pastor? I prayed and asked Jesus to be my Savior. You can put it up, put it right back down. No one's looking, but I'd like to rejoice with you this morning. Anyone at all, just slip your hand up right back down. I prayed and asked Christ on this Christmas Sunday morning to be my Savior. Those of you that may be struggling in life. Brother Kenny sang the song this morning. We serve a risen Savior. And He's at the right hand of the Father. And He's interceding for you today. You see, the Lord loves you. God wants to help you. 
we need to just let him have his way in our lives. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Christmas and what Christmas is really all about. God came down to us, Emmanuel. And when he was here, what an example because he was the perfect balance because he was full of grace and truth. And I pray today that we would take this with us every day to be full of grace and truth, that we might have a balanced Christian life, that we might be more like Jesus. Thank you for this Christmas reminder. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may